So the invitation today is to practice being wrong, to be graciously and humbly and patiently wrong. Because the alternative is to be mean. I'm reading today from Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart, page 237, 238. He's got a section on what he calls righteously mean Christians. He talks about how when we confuse the treasure, the life and joy and power from God that's present in Jesus with the vessel, our opinions, our traditions, the little tribe that we're from, the stuff that we want to be in control of. What it produces is people who are mean. And this is a real problem in the church. You all know this and so do I. Talks about one speaker who was approached by an older gentleman in a church where he was going to speak. And the man expressed awareness that he sometimes quoted a certain popular paraphrased version of the Bible, probably the Living Bible. Ken Taylor and Ken experienced a lot of meanness from people when he wrote that particular paraphrase. Uh, this man replied, Well, when I write, I quote whatever translation best says what I want to teach at that point in the book. Doesn't mean I approve of everything in it. To this, the man replied, almost shouting, Well, I am not going to sit and listen to a man who has no convictions about the Word of God. And he turned and stormed out of the church in anger, disobeying the very Bible he thought he was defending. And how often do we do this? Now, it's bad enough that we're taught meanness and self-righteousness and anger in the broader culture. Ellen Jacobs from Baylor notes that part of the church's job is to catechize is the old word. It means to teach, not just to inform, but to form, to shape our characters and our habits and responses. And he says, you know, if a church only has 30 minutes a week for a sermon, it can't catechize people who are being catechized, formed, shaped, deformed by Facebook and Twitter and cable news. All media wants engagement, and engagement primarily is sustained, most reliably, by anger and hatred. But now the problem is that the church can actually be as deforming as other institutions. Dallas goes on, one of our finest Christian college presidents recently devoted a mail out to the question, why are Christians so mean to one another? He quotes numerous well-known Christian leaders on this theme. Philip Yancey wrote some very poignant expressions about it in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. And then says for himself, as a leader of a Christian organization, I feel the brunt of just this kind of meanness within the Christian community. A mean-spirited suspicion and judgment that mirrors the broader culture. Every Christian leader I know feels it. It is difficult to be Christian in a secular world, but you know, it is sometimes more difficult to be a leader in Christian circles. There too, you can be vilified for just the slightest move that is displeasing to someone. And then he goes on to quote some details. And of course, that's true uh, as well for leaders in Christian organizations. A woman teaches and speaks and is well received, and a pastor who doesn't like that just says his message for her in two words, go home. Increasingly, pastors will preach sermons that will get attention by being mean-spirited or 
offensive in ways that are just uh, deliberately flagrant because it is known that there's a certain kind of person that will respond to them. What's going on in the church? This is one of the most common points of commiseration among our leaders, Dallas writes. The leader of one denomination recently said to me, when I'm finished with this job, I'm going to write a book on the topic, Why Are Christians So Mean? Well, there actually is an answer to that question. Now, I've heard that question posed for decades. I don't know that I've ever read anybody who says they've got an answer, but Dallas does. So you think about this. We must face this answer and effectively deal with it, or Satan will sustain his strangle hone on spiritual transformation in local congregations. Christians are routinely taught, by example and word, that it is more important to be right than to be Christ-like. In fact, being right licenses you to be mean, and indeed requires you to be mean. Righteously mean, of course. You must be hard on people who are wrong, and especially if they are in positions of Christian leadership. They deserve nothing better. This is a part of what I have elsewhere called the practice of condemnation engineering. C.S. Lewis writes in Mere Christianity how, uh, with creatures, the, better, the, the stronger or smarter or uh, 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 more capable they are, the worse they will be if they go wrong. And he says, a cow can't be terribly bad or good. A dog can be better or worse than a cow. A small child, even more so than a dog. An ordinary person, even more so. A genius, even more so. A supernatural spirit, even more so. The more powerful a creature or an organization or an institution is, the better if it goes right, the worse if it goes wrong. And as Dallas has written, spirituality wrongly understood or pursued is a major source of human misery and rebellion against God because when it goes right, it is so powerful. Dallas goes on. Now, I must say something you can be mad at me about. This is interesting. A fundamental mistake of the American church today and much of the Western church is that it, it takes as its basic goal to get as many people as possible ready to die and go to heaven. In other words, it aims to get people into heaven rather than to get heaven into people. This, of course, requires that these people who are going to be in must be right on what is basic. And it turns out that what is basic is always related to my particular opinions about what is basic. Now, the project thus understood and practiced is self-defeating. It implodes upon itself because it creates groups of people who may be ready to die, but clearly are not ready to live. <laughs> Just amazing words. They rarely can get along with one another, much less those outside. Often, their most intimate relationships are tangles of reciprocal harm, coldness, and resentment. They have found ways of being Christian without being Christ-likeness. And you may at this point want to say either amen or ouch. And, of course, the painful invitation to me and to you is not to think of some mean person out there that I know, but to think of me. And who have I hurt? And who do I hurt? As a result, Dallas says, they actually fall far short of getting as many people as possible ready to die. 
because the lives of the quote-unquote converted testify against the reality of that life which is life indeed, as Paul calls it. The way to get as many people into heaven as you can is to get heaven into as many people as you can. That is, to follow the path of genuine spiritual transformation or full-throttled discipleship to Jesus Christ. And those words are not simply clever, they are simply true. How many people do not know God, are not headed for life together with God, because they've never actually been around people who, while claiming to know Him, actually have the reality of His love inside of us. So, today, remember, it is more important to be Christ-like than it is to be quote-unquote right. And the whole point about being right about anything is to be able to navigate reality and move towards Christ-likeness. So if I give up on that, then I'm just wrong, period. So today, practice being wrong. With grace, humanity, humility, reality, humor, patience, you will have all kinds of opportunities like this. Uh, I drive a Honda Accord and months ago I was making this raspy rattling sound and I took it in to get checked. They couldn't find anything wrong, so I kept driving it. Recently, the sound got a lot worse and Nancy, my wife, said to me, that sounds different to me. Now, you need to take that in. No, I said. No, I don't. I've already taken it and they couldn't find anything. What do you know about this? You're no expert on cars. I was driving it late last night and it just died on the freeway. It just completely died. I had to wait a long time for a tow truck to come and take it to the shop. I have no idea now if it will ever be able to be resurrected. It's in bad, bad shape. I got home very, very late. Got into bed and said to Nancy, you know what? You were right. I was wrong. I should have taken that car in to get checked a long time ago. Now, I don't know that it can even be repaired. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I was wrong. You were right as could be. Nancy was asleep when I said that to her, but it was still good practice. So today, be wrong. There'll be lots of chances for this. One of the things Dallas would say occasionally, those of us who teach don't say I think nearly often enough is, uh, I am surely wrong about many, many things that I think to be true. And I know this is the case because everybody else I know is wrong about a lot of stuff. And it would be extremely strange if I was the only exception to that rule. Thank God that God doesn't love us because we're right. He loves us because He's God. So today, rejoice in being loved even while wrong. Look for opportunities to find out that you are wrong about something and be grateful if anybody's able to point you better to the truth. Let us practice today being wrong in Jesus' name. Guard your hearts. Love you and I'll see you next time.